Good morning, church family. Grab your Bibles and stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be on page 927 in the Bibles around the room. I'm going to be reading Acts 18, 1 through 23. And when I'm done, I'm going to say, this is the Word of the Lord, and you're going to respond, thanks be to God, because this is the sovereign Word of God. All right. Acts 18, 1 through 23. After this... Paul left Athens and went to Corneth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your heads. I am innocent. For now, I will go, from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But, since it's a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourself. I refuse to be judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him, Priscilla... And Aquila. At Sengre, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Frisia, strengthening all the disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the example of Paul in Acts, that he can be frustrated and he can be um, disappointed, and you strengthen him, Father. Open our ears now, open our hearts now, open our minds now for the um, lesson that you have prepared through Pastor Ryan, that we would be strengthened, we would be encouraged. Oh, Father, do a mighty work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Good job, Melanie. Do you guys like listening to Melanie as much as I do? She does a really good job reading the Bible. I wish you could read it to me every night as I'm going to bed or something. You You should narrate a book. Children's Bible, that'd be good. Good job, Melanie. Well, I'm happy to be back at Sparks. I think it's been about a year uh, since I was last here. And I'm happy that you guys are here. And what I mean by that is, you know, 4th of July weekend, we can get out of here, right? Go have fun. Who goes to church on 4th of July weekend, right? But you're here. And what I want to say really quickly is that there's no such thing as luck, chance, or coincidence. And there's a reason you're here. There's a reason why on 4th of July weekend you have chosen church. I believe it's because of this particular message that we're going to see today from God. He wants you to hear it. He wants you to know it individually. That's why you're here. And so I just want to encourage you and say good job for being here. Well, let's get started. I I want to start with a a story that I love to tell. It's a true story. And some of you might have heard me tell it before. But there's a book I read called Endurance. And uh, the captain of this actual uh, ship, and you can see the whole crew. This is a real picture of the whole crew. Uh, They went to the Antarctic. So they went to Antarctica to explore in 1914. And there was 27 guys. Their ship right here got stuck in the ice and it was crushed. So they're stuck. They were stuck for over a year. And this true story of this journey, this survival, this rescue is, is phenomenal. And Shackleton, he was a, a man of God. He wrote this uh, while he was here. He said, I pray, God, I can manage to get the whole party safe to civilization. See, the only hope for these guys was uh, for a few of them to get into a tiny raft and sail 850 miles over the coldest, fiercest, the deadliest ocean on this planet to try and get to an island which they knew had a whaling outpost, but to even get to that outpost, they had to climb 3,000 miles high, go over glaciers and mountains in the dark with no map and no flashlight to get there. And so through all the opposition that they faced and through all the doubt and the fear and the discouragement, Ernest Shackleton, he never gave He was resolved to save his men. And we're going to see a similar true story of the Apostle Paul in Acts 18 today. But the message that we're going to see isn't just a historical story. This, what we're going to see, is a message that lives on, that calls us to join in and to be resolved, not in Antarctica, but in our city, in Sparks, and to never give up. Because it's not just a matter of physical lives that hung in the balance, but for us, it's a matter of our spiritual lives that will live for eternity. So as we look at Acts 18 today, I have a main point that I want you guys to leave with. And it's a little different than than what I typically do uh, when I preach and give main points. This one, uh, it's special. And it's short. And it's for those of you who specifically live here in Sparks. And if you don't live in Sparks and you're visiting, you can change my main point, all right? Just change it to how it fits you. But here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to hear. Don't give up on Sparks. Don't give up on Sparks. Now, we're gonna break down Acts chapter 18. You'll see my points behind me here. We're gonna look at not giving up in Sparks. Two points. First one, I wrote fear and discouragement in the city. 
verses one through eight. Then we're gonna look at resolved and strengthened for the city in verses nine through 23. So let's jump right into it. Let's look at my first point there, fear and discouragement in the city. Everyone go to, if you're not there already, go to chapter 18 of Acts. As you could tell from Melanie, she did it so well, but there's a lot of strange names and things going on. So I want you to walk along with me and follow me as we go. Last week, all the Living Stones churches around Northern Nevada, we finished, including you guys, we finished Acts chapter 17, where we see Paul go and speak to the cultural leaders at the Areopagus in Athens. We're told at that point, he, get, he leaves them, he goes out of their midst. And that's where we pick up chapter 18, verse one. Look at verse one of 18 here. It says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Now I wanna stop here. I wanna take a moment. I wanna break down this phrase. Look at the first two words of 18. After this, after this. The this here in the after this is loaded with meaning and emotion for Paul. And for us, if we understand what that means after this, it's gonna help us better understand everything that we read in chapter 18. It's gonna help us better, better understand the character of God. And lastly, it's gonna help us understand what God's message is to us to inspark in 2017. So after this, what we're talking about here is uh, most recently after this was after the speech that Paul gave in Athens. But we need to look even further back to see what has been accumulating for Paul. So you guys have heard prior to the after this, he was in Philippi. He uh, heals a demon-possessed girl. It causes a riot in the city. He's beaten. He's thrown in prison. He's forced to leave. Then he goes to Thessalonica. He's preaching Jesus where a mob of jealous, wicked men uh, attack him for that. They cause a riot. He has to flee that city. Then he goes to, to Berea. The same guys who chase him down in Thessalonica chase him down there for preaching Jesus. There's another riot there. Then he's got to leave that place. Then he gets to Athens and he's given the opportunity to speak to the cultural leaders of the day at the Areopagus, I just mentioned that. And he gives a, a, a brilliant sermon, but it says he was mocked and that only some believed. So now, after this, we get here to verse one in Corinth. The apostle Paul is discouraged, he's fearful, he's doubtful, and his resolve to even keep sharing the gospel it's been weakened. And you may ask yourself, well, how do you know that, right? I know it. We know it. Because he wrote a letter to the Corinthian church later about when he first got to Corinth. And I'll read it to you. You don't need to look it up. It's in 1 Corinthians. You can read it yourself later. But he said this to them about when he first got there. He said, and when I came to you, brothers, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Have you ever felt that in your Christian life? Frustrated, discouraged, in fear? Have you ever felt, here you are, coming to Living Stone Sparks, have you ever felt that while you're living in Sparks, maybe you've had this thought that no one listens to me about God. Maybe you have this thought that not even many people are saved because of me in this city. Maybe you've had the thought, do I truly have a purpose in Sparks? Do I have a purpose for God in this city? Or maybe, you know what, you're here this morning and you're a little upset that everybody else went on a 4th of July, you know, trip 
and you're here because you're feeling, you, you feel like you're, you're just tired, right? You, you, you're tired of this city. You're tired. You want to say, I want to go get the four-wheeler. I want to go get the trailer. I want to go to the pool. You know what? Forget this city. Let's get out of this craziness. Let's get out of Sparks. Let's leave the world behind. Everybody gets discouraged, though. I want you to know that everyone gets discouraged. Even the, the greatest leaders we see in the history of, of Scripture, in the history of mankind, everyone feels fear and discouragement. Uh, Abraham felt that. Uh, Moses felt it. David felt it most of his life. Elijah felt it. The apostle John felt it. The apostle Paul felt it. Even Jesus Christ felt an immense burden in the Garden of Gethsemane. Talking about discouragement, I, uh, I had a, a, personal, a personal story for you. I had a, a nightmare uh, on Wednesday night. And I, I don't really have nightmares that often. And uh, it had to do with the fact that a little over a year ago, I, uh, I risked, my family risked a lot. Uh, I left behind a very successful business career at IGT here in Reno. And uh, I made good money. I flew on private jets. I have been all over the world with them. Uh, but I went, I left that and went into ministry. And uh, as you heard earlier, I'll be now planting and leading Living Stones in South Reno. But in my dream, I'm dreaming about this. And it's hard to make everything out at this point. But because of fear, in my dream, I had gone back to work at IGT. And when I got there, my old status, my, 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 the influence I used to have, it was, all, it was all gone. And I was miserable, I was sad, I was discouraged. But what's interesting is, in my dream, rather than seeing it as an encouragement from God that I made the right choice, that I, it, it is right to go into God's calling into his ministry, I looked at it the other way and I, I doubted the whole thing. And I woke up and I, I'm wondering, should I even left? Should I even done that? What did I do? Should I left my career in, in business? In the dream, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. It was fearful and it was discouraging. But back to Paul. Here's possibly the greatest evangelist and church planter to walk the earth, but he's discouraged. And he's probably even questioning God's plan for him. You ever feel that way? And on top of it, he just walked 53 miles to Corinth. You know, going for a walk when you're in a bad mood, that's good. But not this. This is like leaving right here and walking to the north end of Pyramid Lake. That's 53 miles. I measured it. <laughs> and nobody wants to make that walk even if you're in a good mood. But there he goes. Listen, this was not a vacation destination for Paul. Cor uh, Corinth was a place uh, not to go relax for him or to get filled up. Corinth was the biggest city in Greece at the time. I have a picture of some ruins up behind me here. It was full of people, full of immorality. You know what? Here's what's interesting. If you look at Corinth, it's actually really, really similar to Reno Sparks. Here's some things I, I jotted down. Most of the people that lived in this city, well, not most, a lot of them were transient. 
a lot of the people in Corinth were actually moving in from other areas. It's like our friends from California, right? <laughs> 1,500 feet above the city was the Acropolis, and up there was a temple to Aphrodite. There was 1,000 priestess prostitutes who would come down every evening to seduce the city. Among the Greeks, they literally translated the phrase uh, to live like a Corinthian. That meant uh, that you, know, you're, you live immorally. And, and you know how many times I get that when I'm traveling and I tell people I'm from Reno? They go, oh, they look at me like, you live immorally. But get this, get this. It was common, it was common for travelers at Corinth to lose all their money in the pleasures that this city offered. Just like Reno Sparks. There was even a, an ancient proverb that said, not for every man is the voyage to Corinth. But here in his discouragement and his tiredness, guess what? Paul meets some friends. Look at verse two. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, that was the emperor, emperor had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Now, I want to take a side, uh, a side point here. We're not going to go down the rabbit trail, but I want to look down it, okay? Because here's the thing. Priscilla, the, the wife, the woman in this passage here, she's mentioned several times after this in the Bible, but she's always mentioned first before her husband every time. That's very, very uncommon for literature written in the day that this was written. And, and scholars believe it's because she was instrumental. She was um, impactful, as a woman in, in the ministry that God called her to be. So why I'm bringing this up is I wanna to say to every woman in this room, just think about that. Go look that up later, but know this. God has called every woman in this room to be in this city, to be in Sparks for a purpose and a reason, and he will use you. Amen. So let's keep going. Verse two continues. Talking about Paul here, he says, and he went to see them, verse three, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and Greeks. So Priscilla, Aquila were diamonds in the rough. And what relief it would have been to find new friends, right? Who believed in the same God as you, who worked the same job as you. But then God sends more friends. He sends his old teammates. Look at verse five. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews and that the Christ was Jesus. So after making new friends and Paul's old friends arriving, guess what? We know that Paul's discouragement is actually lifted up a little bit. He's relieved. He's actually encouraged a little bit now. And, you know, you may ask, well, Ryan, how do you know that? Well, we know that because when Timothy arrived, his friend, he shared good news with Paul, like, like, uh, like friends do, right? We share good news with each other. We encourage each other. And we know that he shared in good news and encouraged Paul because Paul wrote another letter to the Thessalonian church. And again, I'll read it to you what he said. He wrote it at this time. In 1 Thessalonians, he wrote this to that church. He said, for this reason, brothers, listen right here, in all our distress and affliction, talking about that current time, we have been, in, we have been comforted about you through your faith. So he was going through distress and affliction, but his friends, they built him up. See, finding friendship in the city that God has called you to, Sparks, 
is a blessing from God. And many of us say, well, no one ever talked to me at church. Nobody ever reached out to me, so I just, I, I bailed. My question to us is, are we reaching out? Are we trying to find the diamonds in the rough? Friendship and connection is critical to our well-being and our resolve to stay in this city and be connected to this city and to do God's mission for this city. But, but, just as Paul gets a shot in the arm from his friends with this encouragement, and he starts boldly sharing the gospel again, look at verse six. It says about the Jews. And when they opposed him, talking about Paul, opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Paul's done. That's it. He's hit his boiling point. His frustration, yeah, I was relieved because his friends came back to town. But then he gets hammered again with opposition. And he fight, his frustration, his discouragement hits an all-time low. Can you see him literally at this point saying, the blood on your own heads. I, I'm getting the, where's my trailer? I'm out. The blood on your own heads, Sparks. Opposition, doubt, tiredness, fear, discouragement. You know, there's a sobering point within these passages right here. See, in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, there's something called spiritual watchmen. And they were like guards on a city wall when they would see danger come. They would make the announcement that danger was coming. And those who heard it, they were then responsible to respond in an appropriate way. And Paul was being a spiritual watchman here. And he was giving these Jews their fair warning. But that's all he was giving. I do want to say to the Christians in this room, that you and that I, that we are spiritual watchmen and watchwomen. Though each person is responsible for their own sin, listen, we have an obligation and a duty to share the gospel with the souls in this city in Sparks. And for those of you who are not Christians, somebody's got to tell you. God holds all of us accountable for our response to the gospel. Whether to die in judgment and sin or whether to be those who turn to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and live in forgiveness and saved by grace through faith for eternity. In the face of opposition in the light of fear and discouragement, Paul simply says, I'm done. The blood on your heads. So I have two questions for us. How does your life reflect your enthusiasm to share the gospel to souls and sparks? My other question is, are you at a point right now, this morning, are you at a point where you want to say, I'm done? where you want to throw up your hands and you want to say what I just said. Blood be on your own head, Sparks.
Let's move to my second point. Resolved and strengthened for the city. Resolved and strengthened for the city. Look what happens next. Look at verse nine. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent for I'm with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. If God came to Paul in the middle of the night and said, don't be afraid, that implies Paul was afraid. Most likely he was afraid. He knew he'd been to all these cities. He had not been silent. He had preached the gospel. He had seen revival, but what always came after was pain. Stoning in Antioch, beating in Philippi, riots and violence against him and his friends. And you know what? Paul was counting the cost and he was becoming fearful. We don't have to fear stoning. But what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Why why are we afraid to share the gospel? Are we afraid people are gonna think we're crazy? Our boss is gonna think we're crazy. Our boyfriend, girlfriend's gonna think we're crazy. Our friends are gonna think we're crazy. They're gonna abandon us. But God draws Paul on, look at this. Look at verse nine. Paul draws him, or God, God draws him. He says, but go on speaking. And do not be silent. Don't give up. Don't stop speaking about my son, Jesus Christ, in this city, Paul. And God is saying the exact same thing to you and I in this city, your city, Sparks. Faith comes by hearing. God has told us that. He's saying, don't stop, don't be silent, speak, share the gospel. He's saying, don't give up on sparks. Don't give up on sparks. And here's where the encouragement comes in though. You know, this might, oh yeah, this is getting me pumped up. I feel like I'm in a locker room, but no, no, no. We We need to know why. And this is where the encouragement comes in. Why? Why should Paul not be afraid and not give up on the city? Why should we not be afraid? Why should we not give up on Sparks? It's right here. Two reasons. Two reasons. Look at verse 10. Don't miss verse 10. Look at 10, guys. If you haven't been following along, look at this. Reason number one, we should not give up on Sparks. For I am with you. For I am with you. What a promise from God. Who needs to hear that from God this morning? I'm with you. God is with Paul. God is with you always. Always. Paul would accomplish whatever God had planned him to do. Whatever it was, nothing could stop that. And guess what? You will accomplish whatever God has planned you to do. But listen, nothing can stop that. But, but, how you respond to God's promise that he is with you will greatly affect your emotions and your attitude along the way. If you don't believe in God's promises, if you don't believe this promise where he says, I'm with you, guess what? That doesn't make his promises untrue. It just means that you will be filled with worry 
and anxiety and fearfulness and you will be like a wave tossed back and forth, back and forth, all unnecessarily. For I am with you. God says, I'm with you. It reminds me of a story, well, actually lots of stories. My wife, uh, her and I have four boys. Uh, One's 11, one's seven, one's five, and one's three. They're all actually right there in the middle. But I'm a proud dad. But here's here's what it reminds me of. Being a dad. Being a dad. And, and think about that. You can even think back to your own childhood if you had a, a present dad. But when dad was with you, no matter the situation, you always knew you'd be okay. When I think back with my boys. You know, last year we're up at Fallen Leaf and we saw a bear. He's probably five feet away from us. And, and I had, <laughs> it was close. And I had my, my boys behind my leg. It was scary, but they knew they would be Okay. Because dad was with them. Uh, two weeks ago, we went and camped down at Half Moon Bay in the middle of the night. A guy who was not supposed to be there came up to our, our site in the darkness. And I confronted him. And it was the only thing between this individual and my boys was their dad. It was scary, but it was okay because dad was with them. When we go get in the truck and go for a road trip or we get in a plane, they don't question me about the directions. They just know. Dad's got him. We're going. We're going with dad. It's okay. He knows where we're going. Again, because dad is with them. When they learn how to ride a bike, it's scary, but it's okay because dad was with them. My little uh, seven-year-old son, he's my little blondie. Uh, we were in uh, Hawaii two years ago, and it was the first time he ever snorkeled, and that's scary for a new kid. You know, you, one, the, the, the movement of the waves, and, and then you, you, there's a whole world underneath there, even sharks. But he, he puts his little mask and his face in there, and all you hear is, oh, 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 oh. And he wasn't scared, he was happy, seeing this whole new world. And it was okay, because dad was with him. And see, here's the thing, when we grow into adults, we forget the reality that we just saw in verse 10. That our Father, God the Father, your Father, is always with you. So verse 10 continues. Look at this. It says, and no one will attack you to harm you. Paul's given a special promise here of physical protection. But listen, sometimes God keeps us from trouble. And other times, God remains with us in the trouble. I want you to cling to the promise that God gave us in Psalm, or excuse me, Isaiah 41. Look up on the screen here. This is for you. Fear not, for I am with you. There it is again. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Don't forget that. God's with you. All right. Second reason, the second reason we should be resolved, we should be encouraged, the second reason we should not give up on the city of Sparks, look at this, look at the end of verse 10, this is critical. For I have many in this city who are my people. God is saying there are still many people in this city who are predestined to believe, to be saved. These are my people. 
be encouraged. Your sharing of the gospel, your not being silent matters. It's not a waste of time. Have the resolve to speak. Have the resolve to do it. Cast the widest net as you can because there are people, we don't know who they are, but there are people who belong to God. They need to hear it. See, this principle was not just true for Paul. This is true for us. See, God has you, 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 each of us in this room, in the city of Sparks, not by accident, but because God is going to use you to share the gospel. Because why? There's still many people in Sparks that are his, that will become saved. See, the the, the biblical reality is this. God is not crossing his fingers on the weekend before 4th of July saying, I hope someone believes, I hope someone believes, I hope someone believes. (laughs) The biblical reality is God is also not saying, okay, some people went to church on 4th of July. I I see out in the future that this guy might believe, that guy might. That's not biblical reality. The biblical reality is this. Look again at verse 10. Look at this closely. For I have many in this city who are my people. Notice there's a certain number of people who are his, but notice this, these specific unsaved people are already his people. They're not even saved, but he's saying they're my people. God chooses, God chose his people before the foundation of the world. And guess what? They are sitting in sparks. Look at at this scripture up on the screen here. Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Look at this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Look at this. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. You know, the Jews, they said to Jesus, are you the Messiah? Jesus said to them, you're not my sheep, you won't believe. See, my sheep know my name and I know them. And when I call them, they hear me, they come, but you're not mine. You're not my people. And that's the thing. We don't know who the people are either, but we can't be silent. God has sheep and sparks and he needs to, they need to hear his voice, which comes through the proclamation of the gospel, which guess what? Where does that come from? You. That's why we can't give up on sparks. Do you remember, you remember the nightmare I told you about that I had on Wednesday night? I got up that morning and I was discouraged like Paul. And I had to, I had to prep for this sermon. And you know what verse was waiting for me? When I opened up my Bible, you want to know what verse was waiting for me? It's the same verse that's waiting for you. It says this, don't be afraid, but go on speaking. Don't be silent, for I am with you. For I have many in this city who are my people. You have work to do for God. You may be discouraged and fearful like Paul was right now. You may not like the people in Sparks. 
You may be saddened by the people in Sparks. You may be disgusted by the people in Sparks. You may not like the people in the schools in Sparks. But guess what? God is saying to you this morning, saying, don't pull away. He's saying, don't give up on Sparks. He says, I have more to save. And guess what? Whether you love my people or not, I love my people. How much does God love his people? He loves them to death. Literally. We're all sinners. No one's perfect. Every man and woman and child in the city of Sparks is a sinner. And that's been handed down to us. That's what separates us from an all-holy God. And we have no, what, no good works can get us across that chasm to break that relationship that we had to, to, to actually fix that relationship with God. That's why he sent Jesus Christ to die for us, to pay that price, to be humiliated and devastatingly beaten and crucified, to pay for the price for that sin so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be saved, so that we could be reconciled back to God the Father. And that sounds crazy, doesn't it? But guess what? That's crazy love. God never gave up on you. Will you never give up on Sparks? Listen, nothing happens by accident. I mentioned that earlier. If you're not a Christian and you happen to be sitting here this morning, I'm here to tell you there is an extreme, an extreme probability that you are one of God's people that you are one of the many, that you are predestined and that he loves you to death. You're not here by an accident. See, you have everything to lose if you try and face your maker on your own when you die. He says, not Ryan, God says that he will separate those who aren't reconciled to eternal hell. And he will bring those who are reconciled into eternal heaven with him. You're not here by luck. You're one of his many people in Sparks. Today's your day in Sparks. Today's your day to say, yeah, I'm in. I want, I want it. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Don't delay. Well, what do we see Paul do? He goes from discouragement fear. He goes to saying, blood on your own hands. I'm out of here. I'm going camping. He goes from that to God talking to him in the middle of the night and saying, I got more people. To verse 11. This is what he does. Look at verse 11. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. He gets it. He's strengthened. He's resolved. He says, yes, I'm going to stay in this city. There's more. There's more. I'm, I, I want to do it. See, unlike every other city that Paul went to before this time, this was the longest period of time he spent in any city because God had strengthened him, given him the resolve that it wasn't a waste of time. Listen, if you came here this morning, say you are, you are a Christian, but you came here this morning and you, you're thinking about even leaving Livingstone Sparks as a church, or you're thinking about leaving the city because you don't want to be here anymore. Seek God's wisdom in his word. Go talk to your pastors about it. Seek counsel from them. Say you want to, you, you're feeling like you want to give up on the city. You want to leave. Meditate on this passage and hear this. Know that God calls us not to give up on our city. He has many to save, and guess what? He's going to use you. 
Don't give up on the city. Now, verses 12 through 17, God keeps his promise to keep Paul safe. He gets taken to a a court case and uh, he's protected there. He, he encouraged him with, with, with this resolve and strength. And, you know, Paul isn't just faithful to the city of Corinth, which he was called, but that encouragement moves on. Verses 18 through 23, Paul eventually leaves. He's committed to the city. Now his time is to go. His time comes, he leaves, he travels to Ephesus, then he goes to a port in Jerusalem, Uh, then he goes to Antioch, then he goes to other cities in the region. Look at the very end, guys. Look at the end of verse 23. He goes from fear and discouragement to God encouraging him, telling him there's more to be saved. I'm with you, don't give up. And look what he does. Not only does he continue to preach, he doesn't become silent, but look at the end of verse 23. What does he do? It says he was strengthening all the disciples in every city he was going to. He went from discouragement to absolute resolve. Now I want us to remember what God said to Joshua in the Old Testament. And by extension, he said it to Paul. And by extension, he's saying it to us in Reno in 2017. I'll just read it to you. He says this. This is a promise that you can believe. Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Even sparks. I started this morning with an amazing true story of Ernest Shackleton and his exploration of the Antarctic, Antarctica. And, and through all of his opposition and his doubt and his fear and his discouragement, Ernest Shackleton never gave up. He was resolved to save his men. And what is so amazing about this story is this. Listen, Captain Shackleton, he had that whole crew. We saw it at the beginning, 27 men. He said, I can only take two others. There's only enough for three men in this boat. So he takes three men on this last ditch effort to go get help for the rest of the crew. Now this is important. He was a man of God, but this is important. There was three of them, Ernest, the captain, and two others. Three of them. Eventually, the men all got rescued. I believe he went back to London. He wrote about this in his journal. This is what he wrote about the three guys that he went with. He wrote this. I have no doubt that providence guided us, not only across the snowfields, but across the storm white sea that separated Elephant Island from our landing place on South Georgia. I know that during that long and racking march of 36 hours over the unnamed mountains and glaciers of South Georgia, listen, it seemed to me often that there were four, not three. God was with them. God was with them. God is with us. God is with you on your mission to this city. And what he's saying to you this morning is don't give up on sparks. Don't give up on sparks. 
Let's pray. God, we praise you. We praise you that we get another breath, another day to be in this city that you created. We praise you that we're not here by accident, that you have a purpose and a reason for us to be here. But God, we fall short. Holy Spirit, we need you. I need you. We need you to empower us to be bold. Help us remember you're with us, God. Help us when we're afraid. God, help us not give up on this city. Help us share the gospel. Help us not to be silent. That is our prayer this morning. We praise you. We love you, but we need your help. Will you do it? You did it for Paul. Will you do it for your glory and for your namesake in this city? Will you do it for Sparks, God? We do a great work in Sparks that people just, all they can do is look back and say, look what, only God could have done this. Will you do this for Sparks, God, for your name? Empower us to be faithful servants, to faithfully share the gospel. Praise you for being with us. Praise you for choosing us. Praise you that there are yet to be more. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.